0: You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. This is one again. Welcome to one again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach Mike
1: Marks. Hey, so, uh, Mike, how do you like my glasses?
0: I like it. I like it. You just went up about three degrees on that uh IQ chart. D- did I? Yeah, uh, like the, the Wonderlick, like the, the Wonderlick, the,
1: <laughs> the, the NFL's. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> Well, let me ask you something. Since, since you brought it up, what were your thoughts on the Wonderlick? And then just so our, our, our viewers and listeners understand what the Wonderlick is, the Wonderlick is the NFL's IQ test that they gave players uh, or give players during the combine in testing and so forth.
0: In all seriousness, I thought it was pretty effective, um, particularly oh. with quarterbacks. The really okay. good ones, um, all the quarterbacks that I know that were good players, oh. you know, they knocked that out of the park. Um, yeah. But you know, the, the biggest thing is on the Wonderlick is to me in the classroom, you know, retention, learning stuff, it, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty decent uh, tool. I thought it, it's not always real accurate, but it, um, I thought it was kind of indicative. You know, we didn't have anybody that didn't score well. That, I thought everything kind of matched up a little bit in terms of that. So, yeah. If all you're doing is asking a guy run down on kickoffs and you didn't have to have a pretty good score, but, you yeah. know, for the most part, what we were doing on offense, you know, particularly linemen, I wanted the linemen to have a high wonder look if possible. You know,
1: yeah. Did that thing measure um, whether or not guys could actually think on their feet? You know, if that I, you know, fair. I
0: think so. Yeah, I, I think okay. that it did to some extent. I don't, I'm not familiar with it, but it just kind of correlated a little bit. You know, and yeah, it wasn't it was so much background uh, as it was testing their ability to retain stuff and you know think things through. So. Yeah. I thought the Wonderlick was important for a couple of positions, uh, the offensive line and the quarterback particularly.
1: That's interesting. Well, not that you care, but I scored real high on the wonderlick test. That doesn't surprise
0: me. Yeah. By the
1: way, yeah. So I just thought you need to know that for your future <laughs> reference.
0: But just so just so that you know, I, I then it didn't have Wonderlook whacking. <laughs> you know, they had those they had those leather helmets that you fold up and put in your hip pocket. So
1: Yeah, that's right. That's that's about right. Yeah. Um so anyway I'm glad you like my glasses going back to the glasses uh, and there's a story behind these glasses I don't these are like my cheaters um I use them every now and then but I didn't need these things to see what was going on on Sunday night in that Washington Philadelphia <laughs> game okay I didn't need any uh. damn glasses and You know, there's this term nowadays out there called cancel culture. You know, you know what that is, Mike? Cancel culture?
0: No, I don't.
1: Okay. so cancel culture is let's say I don't like this kid that lives across the street in this house. So not only do I not associate with him, I don't associate with anybody who likes him. I don't associate with his mailman. I don't say hello to his housekeeper. I don't say hello to anybody he's connected to. I'm canceling out everything he's a part of. All right. Why would
0: somebody do that? Why?
1: Yeah, I know. Right. Well, that's that's why it's become a thing. It's, you know, the, the culture, cancel culture. So, and I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is I think the Eagles had a case of cancel culture for one of two people. Either the New York Giants. And they really hated them so bad that they wanted to make sure they got nothing like a playoff berth, or they had a cancel culture thing going for the league office, the NFL. And there is rumor that uh, in the past that the, you know, the NFL has always kind of, you know, helped out those New York teams a little bit. You know, they kind of favor the New York team because the league office is in New York. All right. You know, so that's that's been out there. That's been in the ether. Whether well, that, it's true or that, not, it's been in the ether. Okay. Well, I,
0: can, I think there's some truth to that, by the way.
1: Right. Right. Okay. So that, that takes us now to this game. And I can't explain some of the stuff I saw. No. And it and at one point, Mike, I just I said, you know what? I think I just came in and, and watched an episode of Beavis and Butthead or something on MTV. I don't know. I just said i it was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it was. You know, I think uh, the, his remarks and excuse about why he did what he did made no sense. It, it just made no sense. He, he deserved the time he's put in. You know, it just none of that made any sense whatsoever. So it just kind of seems to me that he was asked to do that. You know, that would be my take on it for whatever reason. I, I doubt seriously that that was his idea to do that. No coach that I were to assault, whatever, do something like that.
1: Well, you know? that's what I'm thinking. That that didn't feel like Doug no. Peterson.
0: I don't think that's – you know, you can't compete like he's been a competitor and, and do that. I think that's just kind of a contrived thing. That would be my take on it, and I think – the call came down to do that. Here's what we want you to do. And I think he's his situation is a little tenuous and maybe he felt obliged to do it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine any coach doing that, any any football coach ever doing that. You lose your football team. How can you stand in front of a team and ask him to do the things that uh, they have to do to win and, and then you don't, you know. But And that's, Ron, to me, that's exactly – the issue with the the league to me is a separation between front office and coaches. You know, and yeah, you know, the front office is all about money and and personnel. And let's look at this guy. Let's look at that guy. We can move on. And they're not on the field. The the comp- competitive part of it doesn't strike them. They don't get it. Uh, it's yeah. just kind of the way it is. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, so, okay. Jeffrey Lurie is the owner, and. Now, now you you taking what you said, you go to the next step. So, what could it have possibly been? Was he clapping back at the NFL for switching that game? Now, remember, they switched that game. That was just going to be a regular one o'clock start, East Coast time game, Eastern Daylight Standing Time game, and all of a sudden it becomes a prime time, uh, entire nation game at on um, Sunday night. All right. And, and for only one reason, right. and that's and it, hoping that the Eagles right. beat the Washington football team so that the Giants now go to the playoffs. Right. And let's keep in mind also, uh, the, the New York market is the number one television market in the country, by the way.
0: That's correct. Yeah, I guess uh, that's certainly a possibility. Some somebody somehow made that decision. I don't think it was the coach. Um, where it came from and why I can only speculate. Uh, maybe that's what it is, Ron. I don't know, but it'd be very hard for me to believe that uh, coach Pearson would, that he did that uh, on his own volition and he's taking a lot of heat for it. I know that. And rightfully so, by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. That's a story to be continued. That's uh, that was definitely very weird. And it, it got uncomfortable. It got, it got, I, I turned the game off.
0: I turned the game off. I got so angry. I just turned the game off. I couldn't watch it anymore. It really, yeah, it just, yeah, it just made me sick to my stomach that somebody would do that. But that's the way it goes, yeah. I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's move on here. So here we are, Mike, we're at the playoffs and we've got our teams. Okay. Uh, just take me through a, a matchup that jumps out in your mind. Now this is, this is different COVID-19 because we've got a third wild card team in this thing. This this year on, on each conference. side? I, I think the
0: probably the most competitive game will be the Ravens and the Titans. Yeah, I think that thing's got a chance of being a real slugfest. I that you know usually I kind of get a feel you know after watching teams play and looking at their numbers and you know who's injured and whatnot you kind of get an idea who's probably going to win the game or who's stronger and well I tell you this one it's anybody's guess and and I know how good uh, Henry is and his ability to run the ball but. You know, on the other end, you got to be able to contain that quarterback. I don't know. My my instinct is to say that Tennessee will win that. But, mm-hmm. boy, you know, the way the Ravens have been playing coming down the stretch here, that's, ha- that's a tough one to call.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, in the, okay, I'll start with the AFC since you're talking AFC. Indian Buffalo, that's the seven seed Indianapolis going to Buffalo, the two seed. Kansas City, of course, is sitting on the couch Resting, watching yeah. because they've got the bye. Uh, then Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Baltimore and uh, Tennessee that you just mentioned. Let me let me go over to Cleveland and Pittsburgh now. Interesting. Cleveland just hit with another rash of, of COVID positives, including the head coach, right, Kevin Stefanski. So so walk me through this one, Mike, because they had already gone through this before and they got in and they got in. I think in large part too, because Pittsburgh didn't play a lot of people. I didn't play Ben Roethlisberger in that game last week. And and, and they were kind of on cruise mode, but now how do you, how are you thinking as a head coach? <laughs> you, you can't even come in the building. Well,
0: I'm, I've unfortunately been through that and, you know, I had that heart infection. So I had to watch the games at home and, and it's very, very difficult. What the biggest issue is he's the play caller too. Yeah. Now, it's one thing being the head coach in the leadership role, but, you know, not being on the sideline. But when you're also the play caller, Sean Payton, for instance, you know, when he was injured and went to the booth. But, you know, now their offensive coordinator is Van Pelt. Is that who that is? Is going to take over the play callings? And I think that's the biggest change. Other than that, um, you know, I don't know that it's going to be, I think because it is the playoffs and I think there's enough momentum going with those players and the coaches that though his presence on the sideline you know, lack of it will be felt. The bigger issue and the biggest issue completely to me would be being able to call the plays and get in the same type of rhythm that they had all year long. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that includes preparation now too, because he's not there to prepare either. So his input into the running game, passing game and all that, that's just not there. And perhaps he can do it from the house and send it in. I guess he would, but um, I think that's a big, big, big minus for them. I think that'll hurt him. And, but, you know, what happens if they're better, you know? <laughs> it can happen, too, you know, right? And, hey, hey, coach, stay at home, right? So you never know. You just never know.
1: I was thinking about that. Yeah, so Chuck Prefer, longtime special teams coach in the league. We know Chuck. It, he's, uh, he's the acting head coach. And now they're moving all the other assistants around. And, and that will be key, as you say, to, to, to know where the play calling is going to really come from. As opposed to who they say it's going to come from, that game, Mike, is is Sunday night. That is a a well, late well, start. Back can I so. before I
0: lose yeah. it? So let's back up just a second, Ron. So Prefer is the special teams coach, right? Yeah. All right. So there's only one other coach on the staff that talks to the team every week and every day, and that's a special teams coach. Yeah. So when you elevate somebody, if you have a dynamic personality as a special teams coach. You know, on a temporary basis, that by far is the best selection for people for fans because they don't know this, right? So, yeah, you have a special teams coach. Remember, they see him all the special teams. Everybody's on special teams except the quarterbacks. Every morning for a half hour to forty-five minutes, they listen to him. That's a great point. He talks to the team on a daily basis. He's the only other guy, other than the head coach, that does that. So it's the best selection on a one-game deal to do. To be honest with you, unless it's a week. Whoever's in that position you now, Chuck's very strong, so um, it's a very logical thing to do because it now does not disrupt. Now to ask a coordinator to go from, you know, uh, backing up the head coach and his play calling to all of a sudden coach the team and all of a sudden call the plays—that's a double whammy for him. Yeah. So to just let him move into the play calling position in place of the head coach now, you take the special teams coach who speaks to the team on a daily basis anyway and has leadership, now you put him on the sideline. So I think it's a good move and a very smart move uh, to do it that way.
1: Mike, that's a huge point you just made. And I, I, I can guarantee you that most of our viewers and listeners have n- never heard that perspective. I, I, I actually didn't know that. I, I never looked at it like that. The, the next person in needs to be a guy that the players – hear from, and are most
0: comfortable with on an everyday basis. So, you know, Ron, when you you look at special teams coaches, it's a very different group than regular position coaches. Uh, They're isolated a little bit. They're not included in some of the things. But the really good ones are terrific motivators because they have the whole team there. And there are a few out there and really should be head coaches, but they have a great opportunity to talk to these guys on a daily basis. And if they do a good job, and, and I know Chuck does, that, you know, the transition will be uh, less painful probably.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. That's a great point. Well, thank you for bringing that up. So uh, you, you talk about the Ravens and, and um, in Tennessee, physicality. That's going to be a physical game. And, and remember now, this is also the game uh, a few weeks back where there was some issues with one team stepping I, on the other team's logo. Right. Uh, Harbaugh took exception to the Titans players doing whatever they were doing pregame to the logo, and the two coaches had words. So now here we go, and this one is in Tennessee. So not only – is there, is there a run game situation? Both teams will run the ball very well, including a quarterback in Jackson for the Ravens, and obviously you have the leading rusher in the NFL, uh, Derrick Henry, for the Titans. But this is going to be, okay, strap up your chin strap and your helmet, put air in that helmet, make sure everything's okay, because this, this one is going to be f- for the big boys only. Someone's going to get punched in the mouth the first play and the last play of this one.
0: I think it's the best game in this uh, weekend in the matchup. So I think it's one that you want to watch because it, like you said, it's going to be a heavyweight bout. Um, Jackson perhaps will be the difference. Uh, You know what you're going to get in the running game out of Derrick Henry. You know, that's going to be, you know what that is. They're going to have to, you know, play a, a solid front more than likely. In other words, they got five down instead of four down kind of alignment to, to help stop the run, which puts you most often in some sort of man coverage,
1: which puts you there. Right. Right.
0: No, that's true. And so now, now that it comes on, you know, they're, they're one-on-one matchups on the outside. And if you feel good about it, great. I think on the other end of it, you know, having a, an answer for the quarterback in terms of scrambling is a big deal. He's come alive here the last three four games. He's still not very accurate.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. That team, I I somewhat wrote that team off. And then all of a sudden, they, they came back. Yeah. yeah. And and a ton of teams in the AFC finished the season at 11-5. and five. Tennessee... Baltimore, Cleveland, Indianapolis, all 11 and five uh, of a stark contrast from the NFC. So the last game uh, in the AFC side, before we bounce them to the NFC side, um, Buffalo, Indianapolis. So uh, Frank Reich, uh, head coach of the Colts, now going back home into Buffalo and taking a pretty good offense and a pretty good quarterback with him.
0: You know, my heart wants to see Rivers, because he hasn't been able to do it to Chargers all of his career, go a long way in the playoffs and do something good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But you know what, Ron? I love that Buffalo team, as you know from the very beginning. I think they've been built the right way. I think they're yeah. solid. Uh, and I know you've been there too. When you're on a special team that has a lot of momentum, it's like living under a star. You can't do anything wrong. And I think that's where <laughs> they are right now. I just think <laughs> that's that, right. I think Buffalo is, to me, Buffalo has got the best shot of win the Super Bowl. I just think that they're a real special team right now.
1: Yeah. I'm holding on to what you said uh, last week. They, they may be, they may be the best team in the NFL.
0: I kind of think they are yeah. right now. And I think uh, there's been a road getting here, but I think they've arrived in that, that respect. And I, there's so many factors involved, but um, they've got so much momentum right now. They just, you know, you go when you walk in front of a team like that, it's, it's cool because you can tell them, look, we're gonna we're gonna whip their butts. There's nothing they can do about it. It's just a question of how they want to take care of their medicine, you know, And when yeah. you have that kind of confidence and feeling, uh, it, it's a tough team to beat now. They're, it's it's hard.
1: yeah, that's 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 what it looks like on on uh, on TV, on film they just look invincible. Like they know no one can stop them.
0: Right that's now. where they are. You know, yeah. that's where they're, they just feel like they're better than everybody else. And without saying it, and I, they're playing like that right now too. You yeah. Know? Yeah.
1: Okay. So they'll kick it off. They've got the Saturday game uh, against Buffalo and the Colts. So that'll be the first game of the, of the, of the day there. So um, 14 and two Kansas city and Kansas city. Mike, I was watching their Atlanta game, and I went to the coach's copy, and I wanted to break down. You know why is why is Kansas City in these close games here? What, what's happening? And they seem to always pull it out like good teams do. Well, Atlanta. Uh, this is in the last few seconds minutes of the game. Uh, Mahomes throws a ball to Tyreek Hill in the end zone, and the corner for Atlanta jumps up and intercepts the ball. The ball—it's an interception. All he has to do is come down, hit the ground, and run off the field and celebrate. He lands in a weird position, and the ball pops out of his I hand. That, yeah. Incomplete pass. You probably saw that. Yeah. And what always happens anytime, as we say in the secondary, anytime you drop an interception, they will score. I got to believe the PFF numbers are like 99.99997. And that's exactly what happened. They hit the. I can't remember who it was. They hit a guy on a seam route, like a bang eight. In, in the in the end zone and that was that.
0: Yeah. And, and the other part of the issue to me with Kansas City is they just have not been real strong at times on defense, even in big games. You know, people yeah. push them around pretty good. And, you know, I think that's a missing element for them is a dominant defense. And yeah. um I just I think that's going to be their stumbling block. The matchup for me would be Buffalo and Kansas City. I think that would be a Titanic if it gets to that point if they, you know, are both at the end that's those right. two teams are there. But um, I think that would be a hard matchup for Kansas City. I, I really do.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, at some point you keep pulling these games up, pulling them out. And I don't want to take anything away from Andy Reid and a team's ability to do that because that's also the mark of a good team. But that can also be a slippery slope. And you got to know where you're playing well and where you're not playing well.
0: Well, the matchup in a game between those two quarterbacks is pretty interesting, where Josh Allen is right now. Mm-hmm in Mahomes you know i think that uh you know with with Josh's mobility and his size that's a factor that they haven't really seen before Yeah, um, you know and then to, and then uh, you know they're you know with the running game that they've got going and just i think they're a hard team right now to play
1: yeah and you know it's also about when you the timing of when you play someone if so buffalo's the 2 seed so they shouldn't get matched up with Kansas City if they keep winning, everyone keeps winning until later on. Until it's, the end, right. Until the end. So so what could happen <laughs> yeah. is someone could knock off Kansas City, and now what you've been talking about in Buffalo being perhaps the best team, now it could easily come to fruition. Yeah.
0: And, yeah. Like you said, it's going to come down to Kansas City and, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. road and, through Kansas City. Yeah. yeah, and
0: the AFC. So but yeah. we'll see. It's, it's interesting. There's just uh, some great matchups in the, this weekend. All three of those games are really good matchups and be fun to watch.
1: Yep, that's true. All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message.
0: Courageous is a word that describes America's veterans. Sadly, another word we can use is homeless. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, you can help. Donate at CardboardToHeadBoard.org. On today's episode, we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and why we think he'll be the 49ers QB1 in 2021. Next up, we preview the NFL's upcoming wild card weekend, talking matchups, predictions, and a hot take or two. Then it's off to Dylan for a big confession before Fangirl says who's hot, who's not. Are you ready for some football? Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Here's Ron Pitts with the coach Mike Mars. Okay, let's go to the NFC side. So you've got the Bears and you've got the Saints. And that's a seven-seed versus the two seed. Let's start with that one. That, that game is the Sunday night game at 4 p.m. Eastern, 4:40 p.m. Eastern time. Um, Chicago got in, got in at the last second, so to speak. Right.
0: You know, I think uh, the thing that people don't maybe they're talking about in, in Chicago, I don't know, but the thing that the biggest disappointment to me is, you got Trubisky now is playing well. They're in Montgomery. Shoot, he's and he's ripping it up. In, yeah, the running back, he's really they're, doing yeah, good. Yeah,
1: running back, All of a sudden, yeah. they're
0: doing a good job. They just have been at times bad on defense, bad, and that's a personnel wise, that's a terrific defense. And, and then all of a sudden, they'll just disappear, you know. Yeah. And with the people that they have on that side of the ball, they're just underachieving in my mind. You know, if they came out and played like they're supposed to play, like they should play, and the offense continues to improve, then this <laughs> might be a heck of a game. But, but I just don't see it. They're defensively, they just have not really showed up like they should.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. New Orleans, I I feel like this is Drew Brees' last go-round, and I, I feel – um, I feel like they're going to get punched out.
0: They will. Okay.
1: That, that you know, just feels right. Like that. Yeah. And
0: the, and the way you know, Sean's done a marvelous job of hiding some of the things that Drew can't do anymore.
1: That's right. That's that's some what those, I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Some
0: of those firm throws down the field, he just doesn't. He just he occasionally will do it, but they're wide open. The, mm-hmm. the when he would fit that ball down on a. 25-yard corner route or deep dig or whatever it is, he, he's just not making those throws. And when he does, he's missed a lot of them. Yeah. So I think they're covering that up a little bit. The biggest issue is their runners, you know, and having uh, Kamara back and, you know, uh, how much of the load he's going to get. But even with yeah. the six touchdowns that he had, he didn't. his production wasn't real high. It was like 120 yards. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. situational. Uh, the biggest issue for them isn't that is their defense has dominated so well they've gotten better and better on defense. And, you know, I think that's a, uh, it'll be tough sledding for the bears.
1: Yeah. Now they're trying to get Camara back and, and the game is, is on a Sunday. So that gives him an extra day, but everything I keep reading and hearing says Camara may be back. Of course, for people who don't know, Camara tested positive. He was messing around in, in a, in a club, didn't have his mask on, blah, 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 blah. You know, we know the story. So he comes up dirty now, now the question is, is he going to make it back for this game in time?
0: Well, he'll make it back. I think, I think the 10 days is up on Saturday or the day before the game, whenever that is. And yeah, uh, you know, he'll make it back, but he's not practiced all week, you know, and, and I think he can do that. He's got to stay in shape and stay on the planet. All I was going to
1: say that. Yeah. He could probably get away with that. guys like that. He, he, he seems like one of them guys that probably be okay.
0: Yeah. He should be all right. You know, it's uh yeah you know, at this point in the season, after all these games to miss a week and play that, you know, that, that weekend isn't necessarily that big of a deal.
1: Yeah. I yeah.
0: think it's embarrassing for him to go through this and it's embarrassing for the club, Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, we had that situation with Gaskins, right. And he came out and he laid an egg. So who knows?
1: Yeah, no, nah, he, he didn't, he didn't have to do that. He, he no. didn't, uh, he didn't have to do that. Yeah, that was Dwayne Haskins exactly. Yeah, you, the the quarterback at uh
0: Washington, Washington and, yeah,
1: and that led to, to them having to cut the kid, and you know
0: hopefully well, that's it, there's it. really no difference between the two in the situations, you know, and yeah. and one is kind of treated one way because he's wasn't a good player, he hasn't done anything, and here you have this other guy all of a sudden that's really emerged as being a terrific player, and and he's not yeah. doing the wrong things, you know, it just doesn't yeah. make sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the second game, or. I should say the second tiering is the Rams and Seattle. So tell me what you thought of this, uh, this, uh, John, this Wolford kid, John Wolford, the, 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 little quarterback that could, and he definitely did against, uh, a, a fledgling Arizona team over the weekend.
0: You know, I don't think they have any kind of a, an opportunity to beat them up there. There's just no way. Um, Tough deal. Wolford's a nice player. I'm familiar with him. The little guy with no arm strength, very smart guy, quick with the ball, knows football inside and out. Yeah. But he's just not. He's not remotely good enough to go up there and beat that team. Now, with the resurgence on defense, that defensive front up in Seattle, because they had disappeared completely for the first eight games. And that's right. I don't know what they did. I don't know how they did it. But they've done. That's probably the biggest mystery in the whole league right now. Is how has that defense all of a sudden started to show up? Because the same right. guys,
1: yeah, yeah. You part know, of it, it, part of it, Mike, is that it brought in Carlos Dunlap. Yeah, that right. that helped right. a little bit. He he was slow to get going, but I think his presence, of it, it, how do I say this? It put a man in in a space that was a big giant void. Right. So now you had something that they had to contend with. They shipped Snacks Harrison out. Uh, they weren't. They weren't happy with him in a lot of areas. So they, they've. But that's that's Pete Carroll. I will say that's Pete. His teams are always ready to play, no matter what the situation. If there's a problem, he seems to fix it, and then get them back ready to go again.
0: Well, the one of the things that I watched in their defense early on that, and you and I talked about this months ago, they they just didn't have any pizzazz to them. They didn't pursue like you see a Pete's teams pursue. They didn't have yeah. the intensity and you know, that of all positions up front, you know, that's where it's got to show up and it wasn't and perhaps changing the leadership in that group, yeah, you know, and dialing in it a little bit. But the other thing is the run fits are different now too. I don't know what they've done because I haven't really looked at them and studied them at all structure wise, but those linebackers are fitting to run much better than what they were doing earlier. They,
1: they are. They are. Yeah. KJ, right. Is there Bobby Wagner, you know, two, two guys old in the tooth, long in the tooth, as they say, but, but those old veterans usually don't screw things up and they know when they got to turn it on. And I think they both got just enough in the tank to make, make plays. And, and I, I see that out there. Plus Jamal Adams has, has played well and Diggs uh, plays well because of Adams. That's the other safety. He <laughs> yeah, plays well no question. Yeah. Then they made a change of corner too. Um, they, they, the Dunbar kid, had struggled. He went up to Buffalo and they torched him up, and he'd gotten torched up before that. But they they shipped him out, and they they got some new blood in there. Um, Shaquille Griffin's in there as well, and they're and they're competitive now. They're back to their. They got that swag that they had back when they had Sherman and they had uh, uh, Brandon Browner, those two guys.
0: You know, it's interesting, Ron, that during the season that they're able to do that because yeah. most teams wouldn't make those steps, take those steps. They'd be reluctant to do it and make the right choices—not just bring somebody in and trade somebody out, but just make the right moves. And yeah, I know it sounds right. like it's an easy thing to do in the league, but it's not. It's really yeah. not. And then you, you're—it's a leap of faith. It's as a statement: here's what's wrong. We got to fix it. Mm. And to leave a team go like that on both sides of the ball, where there's there's an issue and you don't address it, the players are are like. Come on, <laughs> you know, we, we need help here. What's, and when you make those moves and, and take those steps, then obviously the players are excited about it too. It does affect the morale, I think, in the locker room.
1: So let's go to this Jared Goff situation now with the thumb. He gets two pins put in his thumb. And from what I was told, Mike, he I know, this is going to be a bad illustration here, but the break is in between the, the bottom knuckle and then right here, okay, in this knuckle. So, uh, Neil Alatrash, the, the uh, big doctor over here Curlin Job, he, he put the pins down in there. And uh, from what I understand, he <laughs> the, 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 I guess the, the theory is he's got a better chance of playing with it, with those pins in, than without them. I, I personally don't know how he plays with pins in there.
0: Well, you know, uh, Kurt broke his thumb twice for us and missed yeah. six weeks. You know, 2000, we were 6-0. and We were rolling, and we were going like crazy. And first half, he breaks his thumb on a snap from the center. Uh, We'd lost our center, had another one in there, and he snapped it and broke his thumb. And Yeah. And then a year later, he fell down against the Cowboys on a screen. He just caught himself in the ground, fractured his thumb, and he was done for for six to seven weeks. I remember that.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I don't know
0: how he's going to play. Now, He he, evidently, he was still throwing the ball, you know, when he had that done in the game, so – I think it's just more than anything, a soreness issue. Now I've had receivers fracture, dislocate fingers and go back and play. And as long as he can withstand the pressure, uh, because the zip comes off your forefinger and it's bounced by your thumb. And as long as he can get pressure out of that thumb, m- yeah. maybe it's okay. I don't know. But I still, with, with him in there playing good, they don't beat, they don't beat him.
1: No, no, I, I think, I think Sean McVay is just trying to give Seattle two guys to prepare for. <laughs> really, oh, yeah, that's what you're Really, do, just yeah. one guy, I guess, but whatever you want to say. Yeah, I, I see it. Okay. So that game goes off uh, four. That's a four o'clock game Eastern time on Saturday. So that'll, uh, we'll, we'll check that one out. That's six seed versus the three seed Rams and Seahawks. And then uh, finally, Tampa Bay and Washington. And, uh, you know, Chase Young. <laughs> He says uh, after that win against the Eagles, he says uh, I want Brady, I want Brady, and you know I agree with what Arians commented on. And his reaction was, "Well, be careful what you wish for, young man." No pun intended.
0: Yeah, I wish Bruce, I wish Arians would have not said anything. You know, just let it, yeah. let, it let it, let it go, and just let it seep into the players. But yeah, you know, there's yeah, I don't have any problem with a guy calling somebody out like that. I love the competitive part of it and going at it and. We've told many stories. You've been in those situations that I had somebody's call you out and you come out and it never works out for them when they do that. You
1: just don't do that. You just don't don't do that. You know, you just put a big,
0: you just put a big uh, bullseye on everybody's back, you know, but if you're good (laughs) enough, you can do that. You know, if you're that good. Yeah, you can do that. But he's a young man now and he'll learn from that. I'm sure.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, quarterbacks in the playoffs, who's who's the best one right now? I think I already know. I think you've already talked about it.
0: But- well, I, well, I think, you know, I, I do think there's a, a couple. It's hard to... There's four that, to me, would be... You know, you have to group them together. Obviously, Rodgers and Mahomes and Allen and Brady. You know, you can mm-hmm. never discount Brady. Uh, I don't put, uh, you know, New Orleans. I don't put uh, Drew Brees in that category because he's not playing like that. But Brady... You know, what is he now? 72 years old, and he's still throwing the ball like that. You know, it's just, it's hard to. He just, he gets the second half. I think if you went back and measured his second half stats against the first half, I think it's pretty amazing, uh, difference. More than like, I would guess that it's pretty different because he's been, he's stunk up the place on some first half games, then come back in the second half and just look like he did up in New England, you know, so.
1: See, I think, I think. Well, now here's where Tom's playoff experience comes in, and Gronk, and you know a couple other guys that have been there. I and and before I forget, uh, Evans, Mike Evans, now banged up. Yeah, you know, seven straight years over a thousand yards—that's an NFL record. But he's he's limping around, and uh, they say there's nothing structurally uh, damaged with the knee, but I I don't know that he's going to be able to go and be a hundred percent.
0: More than likely, he won't be. Um, the, like you said, though, the good news is there's no damage in there. So yeah, they'll have yeah. ice on that thing. You know, they'll work it in the, you know, the training room yeah. as much as they can. He'll play. How well he'll yeah. play, who knows?
1: Yeah, yeah. And going back to Washington and Tampa Bay, yeah, the Washington's got to uh, – Tampa Bay's got to go to Washington. So Right. That game will well, be- let me just
0: say this about playoffs and injuries. Our first playoff game in the history of St. Louis, we're playing – Minnesota. Minnesota. First play of the game, Isaac tore his hamstring in warm-ups, and he catches a an 80-yarder on the first play. I remember game. that. Yeah. And ran everybody and played the rest of the game.
1: I remember that. He, he tore it? Yeah. Oh, he didn't yeah. pull it. He tore it.
0: Yeah. Wow. I remember yeah.
1: that. We were there. I was on the sidelines for that game. Yeah. That and, was a he, he, yeah. I mean,
0: he played the rest of the season. He didn't tell anybody. Wow. You know, he didn't tell anybody. He worked on it, worked on it. And so, I mean, guys, you just, you know, hacksaw Reynolds and some of those old timers that, you know, playing, you know, with broken arms and legs and playoffs because it, it just means too much to me. Not that I could tell anybody about it, right? I, I just think he, Evans, plays how good he plays, who knows, but he'll play. It's
1: like some announcers that got shot in the, in the broadcast booth. Hey, right. You right. got to keep going. Keep That's going. another story. We'll tell that one one day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: There's two times in my career, <laughs> two times in my career that I'd diligently in my office or in the stadium and had a bullet pass about a foot to two feet above my head and stick it in the wall.
1: Bullet, like a, a real bullet. A that real live was, bullet. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Where was the first one?
0: Well, they're both in St. Louis. Both in St. Louis. Yeah, we were out playing San Francisco, and I went on the early bus as I always did. I got the same, as you know, I used to walk around and all that stuff. Yeah, right, right. And I'm getting dressed, and all of a sudden I hear something go clink against that frosted glass. And the old, that old stadium they had frosted glass about six feet, seven feet above the. Now this was, is uh, in,
1: is this in uh, Bush? Candlestick. Bush. Yeah. It's on candlestick. Oh, candlestick. Candle. Okay. Right. No,
0: and there's n- n- hardly anybody in the parking lot, you know. So. Yeah. And I look up there, and there's a bullet hole there. There's a bullet hole in that glass, and in the wall, there's a something in there, right? And then uh, years ago, when when we first moved the team back to St. Louis, we were we were at the Boys Club downtown, and there's a park across the street. This is in the off season, probably two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm at my office, and all of a sudden, bink! Right through the window, there's a, there's a bullet hole up there, you know. And, so I've had that happen a couple of times.
1: Yeah, yeah. Parts of St. Louis now could get rough. Yeah. That
0: yep, was, there yep.
1: was Clayton, and then there was uh, not Clayton.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you want to find a U-turn once you cross the river, right? That's right. Uh, that, that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the playoff bubble, do you think it's necessary? And I know the league has already commented on this. They're not going to do anything special bubble-wise. But do the teams need to do something special? Because we just talked about Cleveland and what's happened there and the coaches down with COVID and this and that and four or five other players.
0: You know, how did these how did these guys contact it? You know, was it because they not being a the bubble? It's so hard to say. If I'm an owner, I just spend the money to lock everybody up in a hotel for the week. That's it. Well, why not just, do it?
1: Yeah. You know, why right wouldn't
0: then. you do it? And just say, you know, and and put guards on the front door, and that's it. Hey, get ready mm-hmm. to play. That just means too much. You know, you're not going out. It's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, and I know that's an, a nasty thing to have to do. But obviously, as Kamara and some of these other guys, have prove that you know, there's some many the responsible guys in the team. That's just the yeah. way. they're gonna, and they're going to put in jeopardy the future of a lot of guys. Yeah. You know, and, and the potential of being a Super Bowl team. So. Yeah, I would, you know, I, I would lock them all up. Mm-hmm. Why, why wouldn't you? What would be the downside to that? When I say lock them up, I mean, you stay in the hotel and, uh, right. you know, you're just not going to leave to go someplace. That's all.
1: Right. And then the, the counter argument is, well, you don't want to take them out of their normal routine, which has been quote unquote right. good for us. But no, some of the guys' normal routines may be detrimental to the team right now.
0: Well, here's something that we and did at the Rams. In the uh, six years that I was there, we had only had one losing season. And it's, you know, in the night before our home games, we never put our players in a in a hotel. We did just one year, and this year we went seven to nine. Yeah, and nine. So and we good. trusted the players. Hey, listen, you're out the night before the game doing what you shouldn't be doing. Then we're all going back to the hotel. Yeah. And the locker room kind of took care of that. So that's the other side of it. And I mm-hmm. felt always felt good about that. Yeah. Um, you know, but. The way things are today, you know, there's just too many players and too many things where guys are out doing stuff they shouldn't be doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, I, I always liked being uh, being able to stay at home uh, the night before a game. You know, By I've far done it the both best. ways. I've done yeah. it both ways. Mike you know, shooting Green Bay, uh, we stayed at home, but in Buffalo, they wanted us in a hotel night before the game.
0: I think most teams do. There's, there might be – I don't know if anybody does that anymore where they just let them, you know, stay at home. And sometimes the circumstance where the stadium is and all that, you can't. But um, yeah. we did that, and it was very effective. Guys get to sleep in their bed, eat the food they would normally eat, you know, all those things.
1: Right. And then there's also something to be said about uh, uh, the younger guys uh, – not the younger guys, but really the, the, the older guys that have families and little kids at home. And they can't get the rest they need and they can't, you know, get
0: so the time did, to
1: themselves. So.
0: so, what we did is we offered the ability to go to the hotel to anybody That's right. But, but you, you were, need to go. But there was no, no regiment to it. You just checked in, we got your room. That was it. See at the stadium the next morning. So, most of the time, as we talked about last week, we're there, that was the offensive line. We'd all stay in a hotel together.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, oh boy. Uh, any thoughts here before, as we wrap up on some of the vacancies? Now, I was, I don't know, I, I was kind of shocked. I thought Anthony Lynn did just enough at the end, but that sounds like that decision was made earlier in the season. To,
0: to I, I, think, I think, Ron, the thing that hurt him more than anything wasn't his win loss because he, he had like a 32. I know 31. what you're going to
1: say. I know what you're going to say, the, the sideline confusion. And there's too
0: many coaching things that happen to him during yeah. the game that should never happen to a head coach. Yeah. You do it once, that's one thing, twice, is, but it happened probably half a dozen times. And where there's just miscommunication, disorganization, uh, and that's on a head coach. So, as much as you like the guy um, and I think he is a good coach, that's on him and it's got to change.
1: Yep. Yep. So Atlanta now, you know, the, the hot ticket out there is Eric Dien-Ami. Uh He's done an interview with them. Joe Brady's interviewed with them. Raheem Morris, Robert Sala. Th- that's been uh, in, the, in the, the interview grinder there. Detroit, they're looking for someone. Daryl Bevel's name is, you know, he's interim head coach. I don't know if they're going to stick with that. You know, I'm like, how often do teams stick with the interim guy? It seems like they don't do that anymore. No. I,
0: don't, I can't no, remember it, the last time
1: someone's done that.
0: And I think Derek Bell of, of all of us would be uh, a good choice. But I think in Detroit, from what I've read and what I understand, they're going to blow everything up. Yeah. And ju- they're going to clean, and they need to. Yeah. Trust me, I was there for two years. They need to. Yeah, And s- sooner or later, when you keep changing coaches but nothing else changes, you just don't get it you know there's guys in personnel that have been there for 30 years that needs to change because those same mistakes are happening all the time yeah and uh, to go in and clean out and, and start over again it'd be very meticulous how you put it back together
1: yeah Marvin Lewis' his name resurfaced he was he's been at a state as the defensive coordinator for the last uh, last year or so his name is, is bounced back in
0: it should you know Marvin yeah. Marvin look at the job he did. Nobody could do the job. Obviously, he was miraculous in the wins that he put together at Cincinnati. Nobody's come close to that at that club, you know, and under the circumstances that he was given, you know, um, he had handcuffs on the whole time he was there. So he should be a head coach again, a very good one.
1: Yeah. So Chargers got to fill a void. Jets got to fill a void. uh, Some GM positions, Atlanta, Carolina, Denver, Detroit, as we talked about there, Jacksonville, uh, man, it's that, that circle keeps, uh, keeps on expanding seemingly every, every year there's always jobs out there. Mike, you got a top player of the week?
0: Well, I think um, probably Derrick Henry, you know, I've avoided making him the top player all year. It's kind (laughs) of where it needs to be now. You just can't look away to the numbers that he's putting up and, He's a beast. You know, that stuff, he comes in, he just looks to, He just throw something down, you know. Down. <laughs> you know it's, he's a pretty amazing guy to watch. He's a throwback, that's for sure.
1: How is he able to just keep rolling? You know, usually guys start off well and then they get to a point in the season where they either get nicked up or you got to take some off them. But he just seems like he's just getting stronger and stronger every week. And he's, you know, he's not stepping out of bounds now. He's not sliding down.
0: Yeah, Matt just Porte after was the little,
1: first down marker.
0: Forte was like that a little bit at Chicago. And yeah, he just Matt got Forte. better and better and uh, until he got injured there. But he was having a great season when he got hurt. But uh, the big yeah. guys. Big guys. And, you know, those it, those guys of that kind of stature, you know, Matt was, uh, shoot, 6'2", 235. And guy, big guys like that with speed, you know, guys just don't want to tackle them. So those head, as you know, as a defender, those head-on shots that smaller guys get – they're not taking those head-on shots, bigger guys. <laughs> you know, instead of giving the blow, they're gonna take the blow. So you see more side glances, I think, on bigger guys like that than you do the head-on shots. I want to
1: tell you, he brings back shades of, of Earl Campbell. And a lot of our, our, our viewers won't understand Earl Campbell because they didn't see a lot of the video. They're gonna to have to go up on YouTube and, and look him up. But he would he destroyed secondaries. It was like it was like a monster loose through town and the town's people are screaming and hollering and they're trying to get water and throwing
0: torches and obviously ah, yeah. that's what it looks like it is
1: it's just, it's amazing man Wait, how
0: about this when you when you're playing defense ron how many times did the staff or your defense coordinator your position coach say okay here's the guy this week and here's how we need to tackle him
1: yeah it just yeah. doesn't happen
0: but i promise you when you play this guy when you play derrick henry those coaches are listen. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to do this. You're gonna, you're not going to fit him like this. You better. They, yeah. they absolutely talking about wrapping him up and, and yeah, uh, don't let him run you over and you yeah, know, gang tackle and all that stuff. All that stuff.
1: All, all that stuff, man. No, 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 man. It's it's not. He's
0: but you, he's, but you know, Ron. The way football is today really is that's been such a void in football for so many years. A big runner like that and yeah. the the big. I guess the big um, deal now with the linebackers—they're smaller and faster because right. of the passing game, right? Right. And you know, you don't hear guys—you know—talking about missed tackles as much as what we used to. Yeah. You know, Missed tackles was number one thing we always talked about on defense. You know, and yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Gotta get them down.
1: Nope. Gotta get them down. To go over two thousand yards is is uh, or, to get, or to get two through two thousand yards is incredible. Because I. OJ, Eric Dickerson did it and I don't think people realize how many yards that is in, in a 16 game season.
0: You know and you put, you put his name in that group yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty fabulous group. A yeah. couple Hall Famers there.
1: It absolutely is it is. all right, Alright Mike well we finally got to the playoffs so here we go. Here's the sprint to the tournament. It should be fun. So who's your pick? Oh man My pick in the AFC, I'm going with Buffalo. I'm going with Buffalo's got something different going on. And I, you know, not to bring up the old, the old Buffalo, but they've got that feeling like the Bills had, you know, back in the nineties Yeah, where it's just, they were, and they were moving the ball. And Mike, it's funny because your offense was so complimentary toward what they were doing and vice versa. Uh, I see a lot of, of similarities there, and, and that is the ability to score at will and score with an attitude. I mean, you guys played offense with an attitude, with a defensive attitude. Like, you know, mm, you know we're going to punch you in the mouth. We're going to step on your throat. And when this game is over, you are going to run for that bus because you couldn't stop us.
0: Right. That's what yep. it looks like. I think one of the things, and I, I don't know, I can't back this up with statistics, but – The biggest deal for us, Ron, was we we weren't worried about making first downs as much as first down itself was a big play down. First down good about making a second long or a third long. We didn't worry about it. So, you know, a lot of these big plays on first down. I see them make big plays on first down. And that that absolutely just shakes up a defense. You know, when you're willing to come out time after time and push the ball down the field, that just shakes a defense up.
1: Yeah, and this quarterback, um, it, when when you when you've got the right quarterback, then it just makes life that much easier, doesn't it? And it seems like it there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this one.
0: It does, and I promise you, his where he is right now, you know, it's been cool to see guys like that when they just feel like they can't do anything wrong.
1: Yep. yeah.
0: You know, and there's an energy to. There's just a different energy to it's that team different. than any team in the league, and, and that's not to say that Kansas City doesn't have that and all that. But no. even last year when Kansas City won there's just something about Buffalo right now that there's an energy there that just is very unusual. and doesn't come along very often.
1: You're right. You're right. Well, you said the the real ones start getting better right now and and they're doing that. So we're going to take your word for that and keep an eye on them. All right, Mike, that's it. Thanks, Ron. Always fun, man. All right. See you next week. So we'll run it again next week. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you're hearing on run it again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Be sure to join us next Wednesday as we break down the NFL wild card weekend and look ahead to the divisional round matchups. Don't forget to visit us at runitagainpodcast.com and be sure and hit that subscribe button. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. Be safe and stay healthy,
0: everyone. Run It Again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz is a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ed Maloney, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at Run It Again Podcast.